Coming up, we do our best to go out in style one last time on the final episode of SCC Country Live. <laughs> Listen, about right. It's been a work in progress from the very beginning. It'll may remain a work in progress to the very end, and hopefully we don't take ourselves too seriously when it comes to that. Uh, good to have you with us. My name is Brandon Adams. It's the former Alabama All-American Mike Johnson. Uh, this is our final episode of SCC Country Live, and if you've ever heard the expression that news travels fast, in some respects, that, I guess that turns out not to be true. I was talking to one of my good friends, a colleague who works in this building with me uh, before the show started. He's like, wait. Is today the last day of SCC Country Live? Yes, it is. We talk about this a lot throughout the uh, show this week. Uh, kind of got back into this yesterday, and uh, that'll actually be item number one here on our SCC Country Live uh, first and ten list, that today is the final day for us on this program. Not the final day for Mike and me working together. we got a lot more fun and ex uh, exciting announcements on that, I would imagine, in the uh, time to come. We'll tell you how you can stay in touch with us. But here today, we will sort of say goodbye, hopefully in style today, and we'll invite a lot of your questions and comments, both on the Facebook page and the YouTube page, as we really share a lot of our memories about what has made this and a really an extraordinary experience. And then at the end of the show, we'll kind of walk back through uh, memory lane, let you see just how we've sort of grown over the years, and me <laughs> sort of grown this way in some respects, which is a little bit of a uh, tough thing to see. Uh, Mike, it's uh, good to have you here, and obviously this was under different circumstances. Uh, but what a, uh, what a what a fun ride it's been. No, yeah, so I made the comment to you. I felt like I was walking the plank, walking into the door just a minute ago, and. Seriously, I think the saddest thing for me about this is not so much that the show's coming to the end because I think you and I will both find our footing. I think we have you know, projects that will be coming up and other things that will continue to allow us to interact and, and will continue to allow us to bring that to the people out there in Facebook or YouTube or television or wherever it may be. I think the saddest thing for me is seeing all the people in the comment section saying goodbye to each other. You know, having people on Twitter that are interacting that have been fans and that know each other for no other reason than, than the fact that they've interacted in the comment section of this show and have gotten to know each other as well as uh, us getting to know you guys out there as well. So it is a sad day. Uh, I will try to go out uh, on a happy note as opposed to a sad note. I've never been anything less than an emotional guy, but uh, you're right. It has been a heck of a ride, and uh, it's a sad, sad day to see the show come to an end. Bradley Bush says, B.A., you're going to be at LSU for the uh, Georgia game. I, I think the answer to that question is hopefully yes. Mike, how about you for November for the Alabama game? I know you'd like to try to be as many of these Alabama games as you can. I'm going to try to be. Uh, I, I don't know that any of my uh, work things will, will, will start to come to fruition, but we'll see what happens. Uh, along the way and hopefully can make it down there. How about David Jones, who in the uh, Facebook comments section says, since this is the last show, can I have that Tennessee helmet that's behind <laughs> Y'all not even letting the show get off the air before you finally trying to get our uh, our gear here at a, uh, a salvage sale, but that's pretty funny there. <laughs> Bruce Eklund says, how about an encore when Georgia and Alabama meet for the uh, championships? That's one of the real ironies, and I think that's probably one of the reasons, and Mike hasn't said this to me, and I haven't said this to him, but I, I think we both probably believe this is true. One of the reasons why I think he and I both think we need to work together here in, in, the, in the future is because of the fact that it does look like, and I, listen, I know if you're a Florida fan or a Tennessee fan or an Auburn fan or an LSU fan, you don't like any of this talk, but just for, for a moment I will say, I mean, it's hard to imagine that Georgia and Alabama don't have some pivotal showdowns 
coming against each other in the years ahead. So from that standpoint, me sort of representing the Georgia side of things, you representing the Alabama side of things, uh, from that standpoint, um, you know, it almost seems we have to be talking about this <laughs> stuff again at some point. Time. And that's what's really been mind-boggling a lot of different ways is that the way this show has come together, it was almost perfect timing. The runs that Georgia and Alabama both went on this year and being able for everybody from, from a lot of different schools to follow along with exactly what was going on in the SEC. But, I mean, when we started the show 18 months ago, if you'd have told me Georgia and Alabama are playing in the national title game, I, you know, I'd have laughed right in your face, but that's how things worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Becky Burton Pritchard says, I've enjoyed uh, this show so much, podcast listener, even you, BA. I uh, really appreciate that. It's nice, <laughs> of, uh, nice of Becky to say right there. Yeah, that, I, yeah, listen, everybody's got the olive branch out today. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Bo Monary says, uh, Giga Maggie's. Uh, so he's obviously excited about his uh, Aggies. We'll try to talk some to, uh, about Texas A&M. Got some him. good stuff for Bo later Yeah, on yeah during the uh, program, we'll do a lot of that. Um, Roderick Rose says, great run. Wish you guys the best. Roderick, I wish all of you the best here as well because one of the things that, you know, being in our position, obviously, we can see the comments. We don't get to see uh, each of you, you know, by face every single day. But we learn a lot about the people over the course of, you know, uh, this time. You hear about people who are getting married and having weddings. You, you, you meet people who are having birthdays. It was, you know, uh, Cliff Nelson in the YouTube comment section. It was birthday for like a week and a half the other day. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we do experience a lot of those same life events with a lot of the people in the comment section. And that's kind of the cool thing about a show the way we do it. I really do think in, in, in some form or fashion, a lot of this really does represent the future of media, the interactive part of it, right? I mean, people in this day and age, they want to they wanna be able to reach through the screen and feel like they can, you know, sort of have an experience with the people who are talking. And, you know, I think for people like us, yeah. there's going to be more and more of that, what you think of as breaking down the fourth wall. What that means is there's a wall behind me, there's a wall here, there's a wall here, and the screen sometimes serves as a wall in front of me. But we've really tried to remove that wall and 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 make this you know, kind of a, uh, a collective conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't like to go off on a tangent about myself too much, but too many times do you see former players get in front of a camera and they're, you know, they're, they're touted as the college football experts yeah. and the know-it-all and the guys that can give you the inside information. I never wanted to be that way. That's why I really enjoy doing the show. Even the people that cracked and said, boy, you're a podcaster online. It's like, listen, I choose to do the yeah. show because I want people to understand that, listen, you may have a different opinion to me, but it's two different ways of looking at things, yeah. and nobody knows how the right. season's going to play out. It doesn't matter. If I paid 20 years in the NFL, right. I still couldn't tell you who wins a national title in college football this year. And that's what I'm very thankful for, that everybody that, everybody that has watched our show and that has stuck with our show yeah. has been very good to each other and making sure they value each other's opinions. Even though they love to give flack. Right. They still keep coming back yeah, and, 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 and interacting. Good, good nature to me. And the other show that I do is called Dog Nation Daily. And every single day, if you watch the show, and many of the non-Georgia fans who watch this show have checked it out before, there's a phrase that I use every single day. And I've used it since the very beginning of the show. And I've done you know nearly 900 episodes now. But the uh, thing I always say is, is that it's the daily podcast for Georgia fans. And there's a, a reason why I said it that way, because I want it to be known then and remind myself when I have to that I do this show for fans. And that same idea that I had for Dog Nation Daily, I really brought to SEC Country Live as well. And one of the cool things about you was, because here's the one thing that, and we'll probably get into this over the course of the show a little bit. Before we started doing this show every day, we didn't know each other very yeah. well. I mean, yeah. um, uh, you know, I had met you before, but my initial contact with you had to be like through Twitter or something like that yeah. because, I mean, I didn't know you well enough to call you or anything like that. We'd, we'd worked at the same radio station a little bit, so 
so I knew of you and had, had been introduced to you before, but didn't know you that well. So the one thing that I was always kind of curious about when you bring in this, you know, player guy who played in the NFL, and I sort of, you know, rip him about that a little bit, but it is true. He played in the NFL, was a very good player for Alabama. There is, for me, a little bit of concern of, is this guy going to come in and take himself too seriously and try to make this be about him as opposed to what I believe it needs to be, which is about me. <laughs> what I really believe it needs to be is about y'all. You know, what y'all want to talk about and the vantage point that fans have. And to your credit, Mike, from the word go, you know, your credibility and your authority as a, as a college football voice came ringing through, and that really matters. But the respect that you have for the audience, what I think of as rank-and-file college football fans. I mean, I think that does speak pretty well that really as a relatively new broadcaster when we first started the show together uh, more than a year ago, you sort of got that part of it really quick, and I always think that speaks really well to your character. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and, and listen, you've you've done wonders for me in my career and, and moving forward. I've learned for you, those of y'all that don't understand this business, BA's a he's a he's a genius at it, man. He really is. <laughs> this guy, this guy knows the ins and the outs. So listen, no matter where uh, you know this thing kind of takes us, I'll forever be thankful. So it took the final show, and Mike finally calls me a genius. <laughs> he's called me everything but a genius every day leading up to this. But here we are on the final day. Yeah. He calls me a genius. Let me hit a couple of the YouTube comments. Um, uh, George says, too bad we won't have this spot to congregate after our team beats our rival. Well, uh, George says that on the uh, YouTube page. It's important to remember, SEC Country Live on YouTube is sort of be a, a collection. And if you haven't followed, liked, you know, if you haven't connected with the SEC Country Live YouTube page, you really should. You know, what's going to dissolve for us after today is our connection on the uh, Facebook page. But in a lot of ways, now we're not going to be doing the show every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. anymore. We are going to be doing something at some point. A lot of this we can't really talk about yet. Just there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but when we can talk about stuff, the place we're going to be talking is two places. SEC Country Live on YouTube, SEC Country Live on the uh, podcast. So if you are a podcast listener, someone mentioned that a moment ago, being a podcast listener, um, if you are a uh, YouTube watcher, that's the place to be. And obviously, you know, Facebook is where we started before we had a podcast, before we had a YouTube feed. Uh, we started on Facebook. You know, clearly the distribution model for Facebook just makes it the place where most of the people initially found out about the show. But if you're on Facebook right now and you want to say, okay, when something like this happens again, where is it going to happen? It's SEC Country Live on YouTube that you want to go on that. And we'll hopefully be able to tell you more about that coming up in uh, the, uh, the show. Esteban Esteves says, so is there going to be a highlight of the best moments of the show, like B.A. breaking uh, his Mississippi State uh, cowbell or uh, Mike's uh, uh, live for NASCAR. So I will tell you at the end of the show, we do have some stuff and we'll talk about some of our memories and some of the things that have happened. I'd love for y'all to share some of your memories of things that are happened. But I went back and looked at a couple of things that I don't believe that you remember. Oh God. A couple of things that I actually don't really remember all of that well. So um, we'll do a lot of that towards the end of the show. We do have some uh, highlights and clips to kind of go back and show. Uh, Steve Quinn says, just found out about you guys over the last few months and have really come to look forward to the 3 p.m. time slot Monday through Thursday. Steve watching on YouTube. Steve, I really appreciate that. That's a really nice thing to say because... Here's the one thing that I think that Mike and I are both really aware of, and we'll talk some SEC here in a minute, by the way, but uh, here's the one thing I think that Mike and I are both really aware of. It is a tremendous commitment for you to give your time to us. I get that. Y'all are busy. 3 p.m. in the afternoon, or at least on the East Coast where we do this show, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, sort of right in the middle of a busy day. For somebody to say, hey, I make a point to watch you guys. I sort of plan my work around it. Take a break during the work day, or uh, if I'm off, I look forward to doing that. Some of you have dialed us up when you've been on vacation, you know, all across the, uh, the world, really. That's a huge commitment. You know, in a lot of ways, 
giving us your time is just as valuable as giving us your money. You know, we would obviously never charge for the show, but there is a charge to you when you choose to watch it. Yep. You're saying, here's time I could be spending just doing something else. You could be playing Candy Crush right now. Or, you know, it, it's not just other sports content. It's really anything else that you will, could have been doing. The fact that you chose to spend that with us is, I mean, uh, it's something that I don't think that Mike and I either one have ever taken for granted. It, it, it's really one of the most, you know, the things in my life that probably fills me with gratitude more so than anything else. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and listen, we haven't always gotten it right. Yeah. <laughs> We've had some hiccups on the show. I'm pretty sure the AC is still broken this studio right. again. We started in a closet, uh, you know, a floor below us, and we've tried our best to make sure that we did not take up you guys' time for nothing. And I think that's what I want people to know the most is that we really did, for for 17 months, poured our heart and soul into the show. Jacob Mahaffey says, y'all are welcome to come visit us on Dog Nation Daily. Mike's he says it might convert some of y'all over for the good. Mike was on Dog Nation Daily today. He's going to be a regular fixture there. We have had some non-Georgia fans check that out. I don't know if we've had any converts yet. Maybe that's what I should do. We should play a little invitation to him at the end of the show. I should do, a, I should do an altar call to see if anybody <laughs> wants to uh, get their heart right and flip over to Georgia there. A little Safegate Security uh, over on Facebook says, can Mike Pancake be a just for good measure oh, for, for, for old time's sake? Hey, I'm up for it. You Listen, I feel like that's the one thing I have done over the course of the time we've done this show. I've never got gotten the head slap. I've never gotten pancake. Hopefully I'm going to try to leave uh, you know, leave it that way before we're all said and done here. By the way, thanks to uh, Michael Carvel for pinning the uh, YouTube SEC Country Live link there in the Facebook comment section. Uh, go ahead and pop on over there and give that a link and you'll be able to uh, kind of follow the show. We're going to take a lot of comments today. It's going to be a very loose format. I do want to do a little bit of SEC talk here uh, just for the folks who feel like that's our job. We should do that. I'm number two here on yeah. SEC Country Live first and ten list. So SEC Media Days, they wrap up today. Um, Auburn, South Carolina, Vanderbilt going the final day here. For the uh, week overall, your overall thoughts, you were there a lot. I was only there for a, a, just a brief window of the time. What's your overall takeaway from uh, what happens there on um, on SEC Media Days here this week? Yeah, my, my overall takeaway as a media member is, man, that's some boring stuff. Like, people yeah. people get the highlights at home, yeah. and we do our best, you know, on this side of the screen to say, boy, this is what happened today, that's what happened today. But it's an eight-hour, ten-hour day. You know, I went. I was down there last night at you know seven, eight o'clock, doing some different things for some different people, and it's a long day. You get snippets. You might get one statement out of an eight-hour, ten-hour workday that makes it worthwhile of showing up. Um, other than that, just from personality sakes, Jeremy Pruitt. I, you know, I thought that he seemed regal but yeah. timid still in his yeah. first SEC media days. I thought that Kirby Smart looked presidential in his you know his kind of second or third coming of SEC media days. It, it's just such a crazy event. I think it speaks to the fans of, of this conference as to how big exactly it's come. Bruce Eklund says, I should cut block you before you pancake me. Keith John Keith says, or, I like that name. He says, yeah, do a chop block on NBA. I might could take you out at the knees. <laughs> I don't believe could. I could take you out above the waist, but I believe yeah, I could listen. take you. I, I know I couldn't take you out above the waist. But I believe if I go for the knee or the ankle, I might I might get me a piece. As bad as my ankles and knees are, I'd probably jump over you if you even went down there. I'd, I'd get out of the way for sure. Keith Allen Kennard says, yeah, I like listening to B.A. think UGA's the best team around after one trip to the national title game in the last 30 years. Uh, also, one of my uh, favorite comments comes from Stephen Peppers, who says, come on, guys, let's talk football. Yeah. He says, it's your last day on the show. The least you can do is talk a, a little bit of football. But uh, when it comes to SEC media days, like one of the cool things I always thought about this show was always kind of fun for me was, can we make something that's inherently boring seem interesting? Yeah. And you know, like some days in the comments section, somebody will pop up and say, gosh, it must be a slow day. I hate to tell you this. They were mostly. The, the majority of the, I mean, like, you know, like really true, like major, like earth shattering news. 
those days are few and far between. Most of the days were slow, but it's always a challenge and frankly for me, a really engaging thing to say, okay, so of the stuff that is going on, what is interesting about this? And SEC Media Days is one of those topics where most of this is pretty mundane and, and virtually everybody who's there is trying to find a way to spin the same old, same old, really every Well, year. listen, we, we've spun a ton of different things in the show and we've made projections and we've made predictions. You know, if we're talking about the comment section and people chiming in, I've mentioned this to you before. So every now and then we'll get the comment, why don't we just let the games play out? Let's just yeah. see what happens at the end. And my, my thought in my head was, you're, at the, you're not only in the wrong place, but you're in the wrong conference. If you're waiting, right. if you're waiting for things to play out, you're, you're too late. It's just, it's, it's fun for people in the SEC to kind of predict and project what they think will happen. Ricky Young says, don't get to really see the live shows, but this podcast, Dog Nation Daily, been a wonderful part of my daily work routine. Never thought I'd like a Bama guy, but you give some amazing insight, Mike, and BA, keep doing what you're doing uh, and uh, have an amazing run there. That's uh, Ricky Young, uh, who says a really nice comment. I really appreciate that from Ricky in the uh, Facebook comment section. And it is kind of cool, and we've said this a lot this week, but you know, Georgia fans have embraced you. Some Alabama fans may have embraced me. I, I, I feel like it's easier for Georgia people to embrace you than it is for the non-Georgia fans to embrace me. But you know what? I, I still feel welcomed in, even from some of the people who, uh, you know, give me a lot of grief. I, 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 I find it interesting today too in the comment section. A lot of you will probably think this is funny. Uh, Michael Michelle Tankersley, which I think is Mike Tankersley, we you know figured out a few weeks ago. He wants me to give a, a GBO and you know kind of give it a sign off. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Shane Burgess or Esteban over in the YouTube comment section wants me to give a Go Tigers. Me stating it in a statement is is, is, is all you're going to get out of me. Right, I'm not right. going to be coming out right. saying that, but uh, I, I do wish all your teams uh, a lot of luck this year. Uh, Danny McLean in the Facebook comment section says, please tell Cliff Nelson that he's going to be wrong after this season. That's a little uh, <laughs> Facebook on YouTube commenter uh, action there. Funny stuff from Danny McLean, who's always been one of our really funny commenters, and he references Cliff Nelson who is one of those guys that has always been so passionate about his team, Cliff cheers for LSU, and yet, you know, he, he takes it like a man, because obviously in 2017, it didn't work out too well for LSU, but you know what? He stood up the, to, the, uh, to the criticism, because I was always kind of curious, like during the season when, you know, like this time of year when we share opinions, it's a long time before any of us are proven right or wrong. Right. Sometimes it could be months from now, who even remembers who said what anyway, but during the season, what you say in the comments section, you're going to be sort of validated or, or repudiated like just a few days later. And, you know, LSU took some, some tough ones, lost to Troy. And uh, Cliff Nelson, some of the other LSU fans showed up in the comments section the following day. And I was like, I'll never forget wow, that. that's, a, that's, a, that's a real statement of character that you could come in here knowing you're going to get a lot of arrows from a lot of the various fans and you stand up there and take it. That was, that was really good stuff. And Cliff says, just like I say, show up here every day and take your medicine. I'll never yeah. forget that day. And th this happened a couple of times last year. And somebody's calling Cliff out. And Cliff hadn't made a statement the whole year. And he finally chimes in and says, I'm here, just keeping quiet. I, I'll, I'll never forget that day. And we've had a number of fans, honestly. I mean, um, you know, I, I can think of Danny McLean. I can think of uh, yeah. Trey Dukes. I can think of Bo. I can think of all you guys, really, that have, that have had your kind of turns going on that. How about this for Esteban Estevez? This is a really good prediction. We're going to do some of our own predictions here in a moment. But Esteban says on the uh, YouTube comment section, LSU is going to go undefeated at home regardless of the final record put in the books. Now, that's interesting for a couple of reasons because LSU plays both Georgia and Alabama at home. Now, he's not saying he thinks LSU goes to the playoff. He's just saying that 
for a couple teams that like to be Georgia and, L Georgia and Alabama. He thinks LSU gives them a rough go of things there in Death Valley, which is a really interesting prediction from Esteban. Yeah, Eddie Stocks kind of chimes back on that in the YouTube comment section. Says Cliff will be kicking rocks at Coach O by midseason. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I kick rocks uh, along those lines. Oh man, it's good. let's do it. item number three in our SEC Country Live uh, first and ten yeah. list. Somebody on the comment section said the other day, "How about we just kind of go out with some predictions?" And we love to do uh, some of that. And I, I don't really have like any kind of like real format for this or anything, but I guess let me start at the bottom. Who do you think finishes last in the West? This one's tough. This one really is tough. And, and I, I think everybody in the West has a puncher's chance, but I just can't, I can't see anything that Arkansas is doing well. Yeah, I, I, Arkansas, listen, I think Chad Morris, listen, you probably hired the right coach, but when you project what they could be, the pieces aren't in place. The quarterback's not there. The wide receivers aren't there just yet. I don't think Debois Whaley scares much of anybody. And you do return, I think, four or five offensive linemen. Yeah. But in this case at Arkansas, I don't know that that's a great thing. And so it's just tough for me to pick anybody but Arkansas. You have Ole Miss one spot above that? I have Ole Miss one I spot above that. It gets really hard after that. Really? Really hard. Because really I, hard. I, I told you all the other day, and I don't remember you remember me saying this or not, but you know, this time of year, I always start thinking about which team am I potentially wrong about. Yeah. I've been saying for a while that I thought that LSU would be in that fifth spot. Yeah. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Yeah. I, I don't have LSU in the fifth spot. I can go ahead and tell you that. You have? I have Mississippi State in the fifth spot. Yeah. And, that, and, that's and probably what I would do as well. We're going to get into prediction, surprises, letdowns, and all that later. So I'll go on the Mississippi State tangent here yeah. a little bit. I'll save it. But to me, it was almost process of elimination to yeah. have Mississippi State in the fifth spot because I do believe, in, like as you do, talent above yeah. all else when it comes to yeah. some of these things. And Mississippi State, while they do return a ton of talent, uh, you know, I don't know that they out-talent many people in the West right now. Cliff Nelson says, Ensminger's offense will surprise the doubters. Tyler Mann's happy with me for sort of upgrading my opinion on LSU. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, yeah, I think it remains to be seen what's going to happen there, but I definitely sort of second-guess myself on this that, uh, that I might be wrong uh, about LSU, and they may be better than I thought. Uh, Riley Miles says, it's an easy prediction. Auburn wins the West again. So Riley weighing in with a hot take here. Um, Tyler Jenkins says, glad Whaley spurned UGA. That's the former Texas running back who's at Arkansas now. And I believe that, it, I think if Arkansas is going to be better, um, um, you know, better than, than Mike thinks, than I think, then Devall Whaley is a really important part of that. Yep. But Chad Morris is not really a, a power running back type head coach. I think that he's got to, you know, he's got to find a way to use him there. By the way, it looks like Brandon Walker's in the comment section today. Brandon Walker frequent both comment section and uh, and cool. guest host on the yeah. uh, program. Michael Clyburn agrees with Brandon Walker, by the way, saying that y'all are crazy. This is invalid. Let me find Brandon uh, Walker's comment, though, who uh, says Mississippi State's second in the West, he says. Yeah, and, and this is the comment I made to Brandon Walker Good to when see he came Brandon, around. by the way, here. Yeah, today. I saw Brandon yesterday walking the halls over to SEC Media Days, I guess, with uh, Coach Moorhead in attendance. and. This is a comment I made to Brandon Walker is that, listen, I think Mississippi State's got a lot of good things in place, but there's a lot of question marks for me still. And having second in the West, I think is a huge letdown in the end for the people in Starkville. I think they have their sights set way higher than that. Y'all should check out Brandon Walker's got his uh, More Cowbell podcast. It's continuing. Maybe we'll even put a link there in the uh, Facebook comment section if Facebook allows you to do that. Uh, you guys can check out Brandon's uh, new show there. Uh, Jake Higginbotham says LSU's going to finish second in the West. Uh, ben Moon Mullen says, Ensminger sets records at LSU. He's no slouch. Boy, these LSU fans are really high on, uh, on Steve Ensminger, which is interesting. Uh, Brandon Vinoy says, how about you put the Tennessee helmet on the top shelf? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Uh, it may be a while before that Tennessee helmet makes the top shelf. If you don't realize, I I'm pretty sure 
these are actually, I, I guess at one point. Those got out of order. I saw that the other day. Yeah. I thought, man, somebody was messing with that South Carolina. So, so initially, and some of y'all, the, the helmets at the end of the season were put in order. Even during uh, the season, I think. No, I think during the season, we mostly, um, we mostly did them based yeah. on who you were playing. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. And, you know, I guess like the biggest game of the week went here. Yeah. But after Alabama and Georgia played the national championship, these helmets got parked here. Mike actually changed over and put the 17 on the helmet because the Alabama fans were asking for that every single day. And then for a while, this was the order of finish. Is the West still right? I think it is. No, uh, I know. I don't think Mississippi State finished all the so, way down there. So Arkansas finished behind them. For for a while, this was the order of finish, and who knows who comes in here messing with this stuff when we're not here. But that's kind of that's kind of how the helmet stuff got started. Nonetheless, you gave us your, your thing before. So far, we kind of agree. Uh, Arkansas, then Ole Miss, then Mississippi State, then it gets really hard after that. I'd probably put, I'd probably even though I'm high on this long term, not so high short term. I'd probably go A&M next. Yeah, um, I, do, I do want to read Sean Glancy's comment on the YouTube comment section for a second before we get cranked back off. He says, gentlemen, I've been watching over a year. I never comment because I'm working. I just want to say thanks for all you've done, and you'll be missed by folks you don't even know about. I, I re really appreciate that, and that, that is such an uh, interesting point to hear because obviously our interaction comes with the people who get a chance to watch it live, but I see the numbers. I mean, the... Uh, about half the people who watch this show don't watch it live because yeah. you know the, the the numbers essentially double between the time we end and over the course of the uh, next 24 hours. So there are many of you, like Sean yourself, uh, who've taken some time to weigh in today. I really appreciate that because um, the the people that watch the show in kind of an on demand for you know format on demand feature, you know you don't get a chance to speak to us directly. We don't get a chance to speak to you. But for those of you who listen to the podcast or watch after the fact in sort of a non-live uh, situation, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, do this as well. And, you know, I wish I would have been able to say that to you before now, but it's really cool. Those of you that don't watch the show live, but still watch it, we uh, certainly uh, appreciate that. Yeah, and um, definitely. So going back to the order of finish, we crossed Mississippi State off the list. I actually have LSU sitting at four. And I, listen, I've been up and down on LSU. I have question marks about LSU, but I know a lot of the talent that is going to be yep. at LSU. I think one of the one of the things that you won't see coming this year, in my opinion, is I think Texas A&M finally beats LSU in, in, in okay. the SEC. I, I think that's one okay. of my up. I don't know if is that an upset if Texas A&M beats LSU. They haven't done it since they've been yeah. in the SEC. And listen, shout out I'm to my LSU a, people. I'm guessing that's a close spread one way or another right now. Like I said, shout out to my LSU people. Yeah. You know I love you guys. You know I love uh, you know LSU is at, is at school to the south. But I've got Texas A&M getting in third place over LSU in fourth place because Texas A&M finally beats LSU. You got Auburn second then? I've got Auburn second. And listen, that one hurt me. That one hurt me. I didn't want to. I wanted to poke holes in Auburn. I wanted to do it. But listen, I, I talked down about Auburn last year on the show, and as much as I don't love Gus Malzahn's inconsistency, he at least proved the fact that he can do a lot of good things. What's Auburn's record? That one's going to be tough for me. And I've gone back and forth between eight and nine wins. I'm going to stick it right back at eight wins this year, though. you got them uh, losing to Washington and another game. But, but you got them losing to Georgia and Alabama, I'm assuming. Yeah. A, a, another game plus Washington. Yeah. Well, Auburn people be beside themselves. No, I know. And, and that's what that's what stinks about it. I may have to go like drag you onto the some format somewhere. To, if, if Auburn goes eight and four, that's going to be an SEC three arm. Well, five well what's tough is I have them going eight and four. Looking at the because I don't because the inconsistency. I have them losing. You know, a, a few games. But it, so it makes it tough for me to put them in second. But and I guess I'm kind of you know retreading the same tracks there. But I. I, I 
It's got to be eight wins or nine wins for me. I, I, I can't put them any higher than that. Josh Johansson says, I saved up Dog Nation and SEC Country Live podcast. Listen with my dad on the drive to South Bend last year. It made the trip a lot better. Josh, that's a, a really nice thing to think about. You know, uh, some of you guys that have banked some of these episodes, watch a lot of them at one time. That's a, a really cool thing. Uh, Mike D says in the uh, YouTube comment section that Gus was almost fired halfway through the uh, season. Nothing's changed. And I guess Mike's point is kind of my point here, too. Uh, by Mike, I mean Mike D that it really will be like a duplication of the same stuff that Malzahn's been dealing with for years. He'll be uh, doing that all over again. <laughs> he waited. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, Patrick's leaving. He's been a guy that's worked on our show for quite some time. I was like, man, you know what? I'm just going to wave at him. The it's point good. here, though, is is that if it's eight and four at that point in time, um, it is the same stuff all over again. It is. And I think that's what's scary for Auburn fans. And we had this reaction last year when Gus Malzahn got the extension is, is he really worth this money? And they had to sign off on it. And I believe it was before the Georgia game, the SEC championship yeah. game, mm -hmm. and before the Peach Bowl. So right then, you're coming. Gus Malzahn's coming off, you know, knocking off two number one teams. He gets the extension, and the rest of the season didn't go according to plan. Right. And I think that's what Auburn fans. The I, I don't I don't even know what the right word is, but that's what they're faced with this year. Uh, Travis Nunley says Auburn's going to win seven games, one million dollars per win for Gus. If that's a seven-win team, if they, I mean, if they lose. I mean, they're going to play three top no 10 teams. That's tough. I, I, I would say they got to win at least one of those. They don't need to lose anybody else. But if they somehow lose to two teams beyond the yeah. big three they play, that's a really tough situation. And, you know, it's not an easy schedule, even apart from those other three necessarily. But, boy, that'd be tough for us. That would be the, the big <laughs> – boy, you want to talk about an eruption. You're talking yeah. about, you know, a 7-5 a, a and five, uh, Auburn football team. I don't see it happening. I think they've got way too much talent on the front seven defensively that can carry them through any ups and downs. But, you that'd be tough. Bulldog Trucker says, a lot of times I listen but can't comment because I'm driving. Good luck, guys. And it has been kind of cool to me. Obviously, we hope you keep your hands at 10 and 2. And Bulldog Trucker, thanks for you uh, for doing that for us every single day, uh, you know, hauling this stuff all across this country of ours. But it's kind of neat to think about how many people have sort of turned this into something they listen to while they're driving. Streaming it live during the day while they're driving. That's one of those things you didn't necessarily anticipate being a way this show was used, but a lot of people apparently have. No, and I, I think it was uh, is it Shannon Burgess was in the comment section. He's a police officer and, and kind of saying that, you know, you're in the squad car listening yeah. to the show. And do, first of all, you know, thank you for your service. And second no of all, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, I didn't realize Shannon was a police officer. That's kind of cool. Shannon's one of those guys. Another one of the, the great LSU fans that comments on our show a lot. He's in the YouTube comment section a lot. Y'all may recognize Shannon from there. I, I, I guess I, maybe I didn't know that and just sort of forgot that. All right, let me, let me go back to Facebook here. Uh, Roderick Henderson says that Dan Mullen's going to be Butch Jones 2.0. The only problem with that is, while I'm not high on Dan Mullen, we already have some track record for what he is as a head coach. I, 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 can't, I can't see Dan Mullen being Butch Jones 2.0. Now, I can see Dan Mullen... It, I, 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 Here's the question I have for Florida fans. If Dan Mullen is Gus Malzahn 2.0, are you happy with that or are you sad about that? Do you have your sights set higher? Because I think Dan Mullen at Mississippi State in a lot of ways was a poor man's Gus Malzahn. Yes, won some big games. Yes, fell apart in some games and you know lost some games he shouldn't have and just kind of never got over the hump at Mississippi State. And that's kind of what Gus has been faced with. Melinda Moe mentions the fact that Auburn's got a tough schedule. It does, but you know it's also paying Gus Malzahn to win those kinds of games. Bradley Bush says, for the last time, Mullen can't recruit. And, you know, I feel like this is a point that I've kind of tried to make over the course of our time together. And 
obviously, you know, listen, if you watch Dog Nation Daily or if you listen to Dog Nation Daily, I talk a lot on that show about how Georgia fans need to be Gator haters. I just feel like that for my favorite team, Florida is supposed to be the number one a most important rival for Georgia. On this show, obviously, I've taken my share of criticism from Florida fans, but the point I've made to you a lot and the point I've tried to make to the entire audience overall is there's one thing that I say about Florida that surprisingly most Gators fans agree with, and I say surprisingly because some people would assume that Florida fans agree with me on nothing. The thing that Florida fans have sort of backed me up on is my point that Florida's been a national championship program before under two different coaches, and when it was doing that, it was collecting an elite, elite group of talent. The issue that Florida's faced sort of since, you know, Will Muschamp fell apart was Florida's just not been recruiting at its highest level. Mm -hmm. So when you want to look to the future here, and you know, and as Mike and I are talking about these things in the future on, on different formats, different shows, that's the thing we're going to be asking about Florida. Did Dan Mullen ever correct this? Did Dan Mullen ever become the kind of coach that, that is bringing back the four and five star talent to Florida? Coaching up three stars is a great thing to do for the sort of you know, SEC teams besides Florida. But Florida's the kind of program where you're supposed to bring in finished products. You're supposed to bring in athletes who are ready to play right away. And I agree with the commenter here. Uh, it remains to be seen if Dan Mullen's going to be capable of doing that. And, and that's that's kind of been my entire thing. I, I think Dan Mullen in year one really, year one for him tells the story. Because what have we heard about Dan Mullen since he got hired at Florida? It's that, hey, listen, look what Dan Mullen did with Mississippi State talent. I only imagine what he's going to do with Florida talent. Well, after this year, I don't know that that Florida talent's there. You know, after, after this year comes and goes, they're going to have some leftover pieces two years from now. But he's got to start recruiting at a higher level if that Florida talent is going to come around. He's got to get that U-turn. And I think it starts with getting wins this year. It, it's going to be a pivotal. I, I hate to say year one's a pivotal year, but I, I really feel that way about Florida. Uh, item number four here, let's do some SEC East predictions here for a moment. Speaking of the Florida Gators, we'll kind of roll this in there. and. I really don't care about your bottom of the SEC uh, East here. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri. Yeah. I don't really even care what order you have. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't really care. It doesn't. It's, it's, I mean, honestly, it's a coin flip at that so, point. Anyway. So let's get up into the uh, top four here, which is going to include a Georgia, a South Carolina. Uh, actually, you got Tennessee ranked ahead of the uh, – where do you have Tennessee? I got Tennessee at four. I wanted to have – Do you really? I, listen, I I've, guess I probably wouldn't do that. I've got Tennessee at four, and I'll be honest with you. I think Tennessee at four is a. I think it's a win for Jeremy Pruitt in year one. Yeah. I think Tennessee at four, you know, right there in the middle of the pack, three teams ahead of you and three teams below you, and that stinks for Tennessee fans to look at it and say that. But I think at that point you're bowl eligible, and I think I think Jeremy Pruitt can live with that, and Tennessee fans can be happy with a fourth place finish in the East. I, I don't expect that to ever fly again. But I think in year one, I, I, I think that's a good year for Tennessee. I'm going to take a leap here and assume you have Georgia first in the East. So who do you have second, Florida or South Carolina? I've got Florida in second place in do the East. Do you really? I've got Florida in that's second a place in the East. I, I know. It's I, a I huge think the talent's there. Jamie Blinn, listen, this Facebook show might be going away, but my Twitter feed is live. Yeah. Come at me. I'd love to eat the crow. I'm just telling you. I'm not a believer in South Carolina this year. I haven't been. I've stuck to my guns. I, I will die, you know, bearing that. But um, and what's I, your issue with South Carolina? I just, there's inconsistency to me. And and it, listen, they they piled up a few wins last year. You know, they beat Tennessee 15 to nine. It, it, you know, Kentucky. The game was a rough one to watch. They should have never beat NC State. And to me, when you're winning games by one score, yeah. And eventually that comes back to the mean. And eventually yeah. you start losing some of those games. And while I think South Carolina is a very quality team, and I love the things Jake Bentley has done, he didn't flourish under Kurt Roper. They ended up having to get rid of Kurt Roper. I have not seen enough to think the consistency will be there at South Carolina 
to where they're really able to move into the upper echelon. Some nice pieces, great wide receiver core, some good running backs, decent offensive line. Yeah, my consistency. Issue with, my issue with South Carolina is mostly in comparison to the rest of the SEC East. I do think Carolina on paper, you know, when you talk about what you expect from some of the guys that we know in the mix there for South Carolina, I think it's better than Florida, although the overall composite uh, talent rating may not be quite as high. I think it is clearly uh, better than Tennessee here right now. And I guess I'm curious, let's assume that I'm right for a moment, that, that South Carolina is the second best team in the SEC East. Is the East finally capable of putting together a season where both these teams are like legit top 25 teams? You know, South Carolina was in the top 25, but you know, kind of maybe kind of got in there towards the end of the season. The West has had this thing for a while where even the second or third best team in the West, you know, still by, you know, playoff, you know, ranking measures, by perception around the country was a pretty good team. You know, last year the East, for the first time in a long time, had a had a really good top team. Can the East now take that step of having two teams? You know, the the, the, yeah. the, the division winner, the team just below that, who sort of have a little bit of a national reputation. I, I think, and we we, don't, we haven't talked about this enough probably on the show, but in my opinion, one of the reasons it's always going to be tougher for the East to get top 25 teams is because all the rivalry games are non-conference opponents. Mm. You just don't see that in the West. That's interesting. You know, you, you, Alabama plays Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, whatever it is at the end of the year. The West is playing conference games. They're playing conference rivalry games. Georgia's playing Georgia Tech. South Carolina's playing Clemson. Florida's playing Florida State. You get those games out of the East a lot of times that can knock those teams out of the top 25. Jeff Crawford on Facebook says, I don't see how Georgia fills all the gaps it has. New recruits have too many big shoes to fill. I see no statistics from 2017 that Georgia can reasonably expect to surpass in 2018. Talent, talent experience is better than raw talent, he says. Media has this one wrong. I mean, how solid do you think Georgia at the top of the SEC East is? Is this an 11-1 team to you? Is it more like 10-2? and two? Are they vulnerable against any of the yeah. opponents you see it playing? I, I, I think that we're looking at an 11-1 team, uh, team. And listen, we've got the biggest SEC surprise here in a second. I'll unveil that uh, okay. sleeper pick for upset of, of UGA this year. Um, but I do think that um, it's – I don't think it's an easy transition. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's – listen, Alabama goes through that a lot. I've seen it happen, for, you know, front and center. The transition's never easy. The talent can be there. Bama had the most talented team Nick Saban's ever had in 2010 and lost three games. And so I think you, you have to learn to put that work in and to have that leadership. And I think all the talent in the world of, of Georgia's football team, but I don't think it's without hiccups this year. Ben Giddens on, on YouTube says, Tennessee at four is gonna be very hard. It's extremely possible to see them win only one SEC game. They play Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Auburn, and Alabama in a row, not in that order. But Ben's right. We've looked at that schedule before for other topics that we've done. They get into that stretch, man, where uh, it's just, now they have a bye week kind of in, 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 the mix, in the mix there, but they're just knocking down one big time SEC opponent after another. The schedule, I don't know how it ranks in terms of the totality, but when you want to look at that one window of that streak of games, he mentions a lot of them there, it gets really, really tough. Yeah. Listen, if this was uh, if this was one of our normal shows and we weren't going off the air, I'd just, I'd just make something up, but I didn't catch who you were talking about oh, at uh, the beginning of your statement. Tennessee, so, Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I didn't. I, I was like, listen, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to... Yeah, time, Mike's not even listening. I'm not even going to be able to go there. But uh, I listen, we've mentioned this before. Tennessee, when you look at their schedule, it's hard to piece together six yeah. or seven slam dunk wins. And I think they've got, obviously, a few non-conference opponents. But when you look at West Virginia, when you look at what they could be able to do, how fast can Jeremy Pruitt... I have no doubt that Jeremy Pruitt will develop his guys, but how fast can he get them to play his brand of football, mm -hmm. I think really tells the story in the end for that team. Item number five, and y'all can weigh on this in the comments section as well, do you see a, a legitimate surprise in the SEC, either player, either coach, 
team. You can define surprise however you want to see it. Do you see something happening in the league this year that we don't necessarily expect? I've got a little bit of a list, so I'll follow. Please, yeah, please. Okay, okay. Yeah, please. So, so biggest surprise, right? And as far as the SEC goes, two teams for me that are gonna not not that are gonna contend, but are gonna be better than most people think. First of all, I've got Florida. I think that's a slam dunk for a lot of people. Uh, people don't think you know don't know what Florida's gonna be. I've got them second in the East. I think that's a surprise. I also think that Ole Miss is going to be better than most people think. Yeah. I think Ole Miss gets looked at as a team that's going to be scratching and struggling to get to bowl eligibility, although they cannot go to the postseason. I think they're a scary football team. I think I've said that a few times. They've got a couple of wide receivers and a quarterback that can sling it around, a good offensive line. That's a frightening uh, you know, couple of teams to me to be matched up with at any point during the season. If your team is, is one of those teams you're hoping makes a run, if you got Ole Miss and Florida on the schedule, I just keep my head on the swivel. I think here's my concern about the SEC this season. You know, you just gave two really good answers. I can tell that you really had a lot of, you know, meaning and emphasis behind what you said. I'm really afraid there are no surprises. Yeah. I mean, because you're describing what you like about Ole Miss, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's why I like them way better than Arkansas this season, but do I like them better than Mississippi State? Not that defensive line. I like right. Mississippi State better. And then yeah. when you get to the next level of the SEC West, no, there's a reason why I like that. Now, the, the chances of me being 100% right about my picks are, are, are not great. Trust me, I've been here yeah. every step of the way and I've made plenty of mistakes <laughs> over the course of our time together here but I hope you're right I hope there are some surprises now as a Georgia fan I don't want the surprise to be Florida but but you know I hope there are some surprises because I, I do worry about sort of an NBA Golden State Warriors style situation here where Auburn's way better than most of the West but Alabama's way better than Auburn yeah. and South Carolina's ranked the top 25 but Georgia who I, I will admit I am pretty high on, despite the fact that I'm a fan. Y'all can take that with a grain of salt if you want, but I do think that Georgia's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And I think there's a, a chance here for those of us that love the SEC, it's like a boat race this year where even for the good teams, they're sort of slotted ahead of the teams that they're better than, and they are looking ahead of a team that's better than them. I, I hope there is some intrigue as to how this is going to all shape, shape up because, you know, as recently as like 2016, there just wasn't a lot of interest and intrigue in how the end of the season was going to play out. Yeah, and, and here's what my response to that would be is college football is never without drama. It's, it never ends up the way you're going to think it is. There's going to be storylines. There's going to be matchups. You're going to tune – everybody, listen, I'm going to be one of them. You're going to tune into college game day on a Saturday and think the impossible cannot possibly happen today, and it will happen at some Saturday this year. And so I think that's what's so fun, and that's what's been so fun for me about the show is honestly having a sense of accountability to, hey, I've said this on the show. i got to back up my words. If I'm going to put it out there, yeah. I've got to be able to back it up. And picking surprises kind of goes along that list. And obviously, you know, like I said, I've got some more surprises listed here if you want me to go through them. But Yeah, let me get Morgan Rectin's comment on YouTube. It says, dang, B.A. is really going out on a limb saying Georgia's going to be good, LOL. Yeah. I, listen, I knew I'd get that, and Morgan's a Florida fan. So that's to be expected, too. All right, give me some more surprises. All right, now I've got my upset special of the year. And right. I hope you're prepared for this. Oh, I am, gonna, I am very prepared. You're not going to like it. Uh, oh, no. Come on. All right, give it to me. Georgia takes the loss in Baton Rouge to LSU. And I, I'm not high on LSU yeah. as high, but I think given that situation, given Georgia traveling down to Baton Rouge, I look at the strength of really what will be that front seven with Rashard Lawrence and Braden Fajoko and Devin White. I, I think that that... Paired with the fact that LSU is going to have some dynamic wide receivers and probably an improved passing game against a secondary that I'm not sure is locked down for Georgia at this point. Greedy Williams out there, out wide. I, 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 that's, my, that's my surprise upset special. I will tell, I will tell you this, that and this is straight fan talk right now. I am nowhere near as confident about my favorite team on the road in that game yep. than I was a few weeks ago. And for me, it all comes down to Joe Burrow. 
if Joe Burrow is even a competent quarterback, yep. he's just a little bit better than Danny Atling. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary as can be. Never an easy game. And you know, listen. I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is sort of like that typical LSU running back or not. You know, every team has to have a starter, but sometimes LSU has sort of like that that sort of like blue chip level player. I don't know if Edwards-Hilaire is going to end up being that or not, but that game just gets tougher and tougher and tougher. I, I don't have LSU contending in the West, but when you think about as a fan, if I'm trying to protect like an undefeated record, would I trade at, on the road at LSU for another game? Maybe even another game sight unseen? Yeah, maybe I might because yeah. almost any other pick is, is going to be a little easier than what it's probably going to be. As Ed Orgeron said at Media Days this week, a raucous atmosphere in Death Valley. I don't have any doubt about it. And listen, I've been in that game before and uh, it's it, it's more deafening than you think it can be. Yeah. And um, it's it's an intimidating place. I have all the faith in the world in Jake Fromm. I have all the faith in the world in UGA this year, kind of contending out of the East. But we're still talking about a decently young football team, a team that is going to have to get that ground game going. And, and, and you know, that, that's what's so important is away games, get that ground game going. It's going to be a tough one when they take the field. All right, item number seven here in our SEC Country Live uh, first and ten list. So I believe that this is a year in which the SEC has a decent claim to really being in that Heisman conversation. Really good collection of quarterbacks, maybe the deepest collection of quarterbacks I can remember this league having. Uh, I think, uh, you know, at least on the top end, a fairly nice collection of uh, running backs. You want to get uh, Debo Samuel in this discussion. I mean, who do you think the SEC's top Heisman hopeful for this season? Is? Yeah, I, listen, I think it's too much of a slam dunk to, to say anybody from Alabama or Georgia because I think you can disqualify either either anybody you pick off either one of those teams, you can pick somebody else off that team to disqualify. And them. let me say something specifically about Tua. Your point is a good one that because it's a deep collection of talent, maybe it gets disqualified. I think that Tua Tungo-Vailoa is also going to suffer a little bit from the favorites curse here. Yeah. He's not the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy anymore. But he may be the quarterback that gets the most national attention. Yeah. You know, there are other quarterbacks who are going to have better Heisman odds. Trace McSorley, for instance. But, I mean, Google Trace McSorley's name. No one's talking about him. There are intense conversations about Tua Tungo-Vailoa all the time. So I, I think that unfair to Tua, you now have to play even better to sort of exceed the expectations when you have been the subject of so much off-season chatter. I have no doubt that Tua is going to be good. But I, I do think that he suffers from that that favorites curse here a little yeah. bit. I mean, go look. People just get tired of saying your name after a while. Yeah, yeah. from year to year, the odds on favorite ends up having, even when they have a good year, ends up having some sort of bias against them seemingly for the Heisman. Believe it or not, I think that if Tua's having a good year, I think I think that he's actually going to, somehow the argument against him winning the Heisman is going to probably emerge somehow. So yeah. I, I definitely would sort of short the notion that two is going to win the Heisman Trophy, even though I think that he plays great. And, and, and the fact of the matter is when all eyes are on you and you have a hiccup, say he goes out and throws two picks yeah. at some point, then yeah. people automatically look away. Right. They say, oh boy, that wasn't what we thought it was yeah. going to be. And they look away and they forget the rest. So I went out and picked a sleeper pick from each side okay, of, uh, of the SEC. Please. From the SEC West, my sleeper pick is Travion Williams from Texas A&M. Texas A&M, that's interesting. The running back, I think he's electric. I think he has runaway speed. I think they have an above-average offensive line. I think with Nick Starkle behind him, they are going to take a lot of stress off him. And he is a home run hitter at running back. I think he is going to have a really now, can good Can you year. imagine this for a moment? It almost wouldn't even matter what Texas A&M's record is. If they completely transform that program to the point where what well, used to be a real finesse team under Kevin yep. Sumlin, they're playing better defense uh, yep. with uh, Mike Elko. If they're running the football behind a better offensive line, Jimbo Fisher sort of establishing that, that smash-mouth brand of football, it, it, at that point in time, it almost doesn't even matter 
what Texas A&M's record is. Aggies fans are going to be through the roof because they know how bright the future has a chance to be. I agree, and my pick from the East goes along the same okay. kind of things when we're talking about that. My sleeper pick out of the East, and like I said, wasn't going to pick Bama, wasn't going to pick Georgia. I didn't even want to pick Jared Stidham because I feel like that's those are layups. Jordan Scarlett from Florida. I, really? I don't think the hype train is where it should be for a guy like that that really is a good running back. Didn't play last year. Explodes back on the scene this year, in my opinion. And a Dan Mullen offense, if he can get the quarterback position going, and that was one of my, uh, you know, that was one of my biggest surprises. I think Kyle Trask has a good year, but I, I think Jordan Scarlett is a guy that's going to surprise a lot of people. Wow, that's really. I mean, for, for me, it's as simple as this. If, if I had to say the guy that's most likely to win the award because I think he's going to share attention less, it is for me Stidham. It, it just is. I mean, I don't think that Jared Stidham wins the Heisman Trophy, but but. I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunities to be showcased yeah. in the Auburn offense this season. And I'm going to make another another pitch here for another plea here for uh, Debo Samuel, who I think for South Carolina, because the kicking game for the teams that choose to still use, I mean the return game, for the ones that still choose to use it, it's going to be an explosive electric play. He's going to be on those highlight shows a lot. And highlight shows, that's how you get in that Heisman Trophy conversation. I think it's going to be a lot of highlights for Debo Samuel. No, I, I don't disagree with that. My problem with Stidham is if they cannot get the running game going, where does that leave Jared Stidham and Gus Malzahn? Does that leave him looking like he did against Clemson last year? I think that's the scary thing for me with Jared Stidham this year. All right, let's do item number eight here in our SEC Country Live first and ten list. So we said this off the top of the show. You know, one of the things that we'll sort of look to the future on here when it comes to my favorite school, your alma mater, Georgia and Alabama. Obviously, Georgia and Alabama fans have squared off in this comment section. Many of you have criticized us for sometimes talking too much about Alabama or too much about Georgia. But, I mean, where do you see the future of this rivalry going at the moment? I think it's and exciting. I think it's sort of a burgeoning rivalry here. I really do. I, listen, is, it's 2020 is the next time these, these teams face off in the regular season. Is it that long? And which will be here before you know it. I which guess. will be here before you know it. And if Tua Tonga-Bailoa sticks around till his senior year, if Jake Fromm's still around his senior year, or possibly a junior Justin Fields at that point, I think that becomes very reminiscent of 2011 LSU-Alabama as far as game of the centuries goes. Yeah. I think the buildup for that is going to be immense. And listen, there's just uh, there's going to take something like a coaching change or some kind of hiccup for these teams not to be on the path to, to where they're really button heads every year. There's just there's too much talent pouring into both these programs for me to think that you know what it's not going to be like you think it is. The talent level is is where it needs to be for these teams to really face off a ton in the next few years. Tim Glover in the uh, Facebook comment section says that at some point in time someone's going to have to match Alabama for the SEC to keep being the best. And this is one of those things that I do think is a really important point here. Obviously, if you're not a Georgia fan, you don't want that team to be Georgia. But if you're an SEC fan in general, you want some of those kinds of teams to, to kind of arrive. You know, if you go back to 2014, we talked about how deep the SEC was. We thought about Auburn, who had just played a national championship game. We thought about Saban's my Alabama, uh, Les Miles LSU, you know, probably Florida from the, uh, for, you know, from, from the East maybe, or, you know, some of those kinds of teams. I guess not so much Florida 2014, but you know my point. Uh, you talk about these teams that had a chance to really make this league really, really deep, and then in a couple of years, it sort of seemed like it was sort of Alabama and everybody else. And that's not the SEC its best. I don't say that to sort of, you know, uh, jab at Alabama fans. The SEC's better when, no, I agree. when there's contenders and competitors for Alabama. So I agree with Tim on, on that point that I am hopeful that in the years to come, now I obviously hope it is Georgia, but I also hope it's others as well. I hope that Alabama stays you know, exactly as tough to beat as it has been. And I hope that some other SEC teams prove capable of equaling that challenge. Yeah, no, I did, listen, I was at SEC Media Days doing some radio stuff, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, where kind of as I was tailing off of my statement, I, you know, I was talking about Jeremy Pruitt, and I said, and hopefully he can get Tennessee back to where they belong. And that was, 
that was not a hit for Alabama fans. They're kind of questioning me going, what are you talking about? But that's how I feel. I mean, the third Saturday in October and a lot of those games that Alabama used to play in that I used to play in were very special games. And you got Tennessee showing up as a 39-point underdog last year. I've talked about it a million times. Yeah. It, the luster hasn't been there for a lot of those games. Morgan Recton says, can we just not end the show today? Just keep going, make them run you off the set. Which <laughs> is like one of those marathon telethons. I'll be Security. like, those of you old enough remember like Jerry Lewis when he sort of had the, the bow tie untied. We'll still be on the air at 4 a.m. Yeah, I guess you never know uh, what could happen in that regard. Let me do item number nine here on our SEC Country Live first and ten list. And, you know, do you have any favorite memories? And if you want to weigh in this comment section, we'll try to uh, take some comments on this too. When you think about, like, the moments that you remember from the show, what are your some of your favorite memories from it? I, it's, it's hard, and I was thinking about this before we went on air. I was like, it's hard to kind of really settle on one memory. Yeah. I think there's been a ton of one-liners in the comment sections that yeah. have really left me absolutely stitched. Right. So many times I've had to sit here and tuck my tongue or bite yeah. my lip and say, you know what, that's just really, really funny. I thought of the interest, like, you know, we had somebody come in here and throw M&Ms at you a couple of months we've ago. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had a lot of crazy situations. Um, I will say this, though. My favorite moment of doing the show, and we weren't in this studio. We were down at $3 Cafe. Uh, I think it's $3 Cafe right there down by the yeah. dome. And it was National Championship Day. I just cool. loved doing something with CNN. We're sitting in the corner. There's like you know, 3,000 people watching us. And we didn't know what the outcome of the game was going to be. But there was yeah. a ton of, I think, mutual respect between both yeah, of us. Sure, that for sure. You know, we just didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but it's been a hell of a season. And I'll, I'll tell you this, too, uh, for me, and I think that's really uh, a great uh, story there. You know, I think back to some of the commitment videos that we did, like when we covered uh, Owen Popo choosing Auburn, Wanya Morris choosing uh, Tennessee, uh, when, when Kevin Harris shows Alabama. Some of those commitment shows were always really fun for me to do. Uh, I, I love that moment leading up the national championship game. But for me, it's also something different. I, one of our sales guys, Michael Chapin, who was really instrumental in us getting the show off the ground. I've got some thank yous that I'll sort of pass out later on. But Michael was one of the guys who was really instrumental in getting the show off the ground. Uh, kind of pushed me to get the show started, you know, because listen, I, I was already doing a lot of work stuff. I, I was already pretty busy. He was like, hey, you got to start SEC Country Live. You got to start SEC Country Live. And he, he, he pushed us to get the show started when we did, not wait much longer to kind of get this thing on the air. But one of the things that he and I used to always talk about was in the very early days of the comment section, there were no comments. Like people would write stuff, but it was just like, Roll Tide Row, or, <laughs> uh, Go Tigers. It, like the comments Hello weren't- Hello from Marietta. Yeah, the, the comments weren't comments. They weren't yeah. talking about what we were talking about. They were just sort of just, you know, it's almost like graffiti. It's just like somebody just pops a comment in and they just sort of move on. And I wanted the show to be about a conversation. Yes. And this is really weird, but if you go back and watch some of those early shows, there aren't a ton of comments in the comment section at the very beginning of the show. But I remember, you know, you talk about the laughing at the one-liners. I remember when people started first commenting on the things that we were talking about, and you realize, oh, we can do a show that's sort of built around yeah. what people are saying. And it's not just he and I talking to each other the whole time, but someone's going to chime in. And I didn't know if I'd be able to look down and see it in time to read it. You know, because yeah. the show would lose its rhythm if I had to be like, oh, okay, uh, let me... F and every now and then that happens because this is still a live show and I'm still, you know, my eyes get worse and worse every day. So I'm trying to find uh, comments. Um, but but when I realized, oh, the comments are going to work. This yeah. is, people are kind of... They're not just sort of checking out the video, sampling it. They're actually spending some time with it. When I found out that was going to be a thing... 
that was really the moment when I was like, I don't care what, what happens from here. We've sort of broken through in kind of an interesting way. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point, too. And, it, you know, we're getting the show started. And you're right. People are dropping in saying, hey, Roll Tide uh, from, you know, from, from Montgomery. And it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. But you know, we want this to be a roundtable. And, yeah. and it, I, that's why I'm so thankful for the people that have chimed in every week. It's been incredible. So stick with us here. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to show you some of the ways that SEC Country Live has evolved over the years. But let me close out on number 10 with a, a few thank yous here. I mentioned Michael Chapin, one of the sales guys. You know, the, the, the people behind the scenes here have always been incredibly instrumental in how this gets done. Uh, Michael Carvel, who's with us right now, that's a guy who a long time ago, you know, like, this is my job, believe it or not. This is what I do for a living. And there were a lot of other things that I could have been doing during this time. This is always a bit of a, a risky proposition. This is not a cheap thing to do, necessarily. Uh, it takes a lot of time. My time that they're paying me for. The studio stuff is not an inexpensive proposition. But Michael Carvel and James DeGale and BJ Swinney and, and uh, uh, you know, people like that, that, that allowed us to do this show that um, that allowed us to 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 devote this time to that is something that I am incredibly thankful for. The people behind the scenes, and, and Mike, you can speak to this as well as I can. You know, guys like Michael Shalaba who've been with us, uh, Hannah Chalker who uh, was with us, Patrick Shanley who you saw Mike wave at a, a moment ago, Nate Gettleman who, who sort of worked with us behind the scenes, Martin LeBlanc who's just a genius when it comes to putting a lot of video stuff together. We have been really lucky, and I know over the course of this discussion, I'm going to leave out a, a lot of names here, but we've been really lucky to have a group of people above us who've given us the freedom to work on this, and a, a group of, uh, of people with us that have sort of put this thing on the air every single day. No, yeah, and listen, I'm going to try not to get emotional talking about this, but starting in a closet downstairs, yeah. and the reason we do have a studio with helmets that you guys want behind us and flat screen TVs and nice cameras is because all those people believed in us. All those people believed it was a good product that we were putting on the air. And, you know, we've had people in the comments section say, Mike and BA, the dynamic duo. Well, yeah. there's a lot more duos going on that you people didn't see, and yeah. I'll forever be thankful. Yeah, Amy Glennon's another person that, you know, sort of greenlit this way back a long time ago and said, yeah, let's try this. Let's see where it goes. For the, the sponsors over the years, like AT&T and, and Hooters and Tony Sachery and, uh, you know, the, the, the people that have been kind of part of this, uh, you know, from that regard, uh, that's an incredibly uh, nice thing. You know, you don't realize this, but before Mike came on board here, he had a lot of other places he could be working, a lot of the shows that he could be a part of. Mike, I really appreciate you choosing to, you know, believe in what we were doing here and be a part of that because the show, listen, we would have done this show without Mike, but I don't know that the show would have ever been what it was. I, in fact, I know it would not have been had it not been you doing this. So I'm thankful that you uh, took the time to do this. Listen, man, it's 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 been the pleasure of a lifetime, mm -hmm. seriously. Andrew Astaford sitting with us right now. He's a guy that's uh, stepped in and been a part of this as well. And also, I guess the biggest thank you of all for me does go to all of you because, as I said before, it is an incredibly generous gesture to give us your time. You can give it anywhere. There's, you know, we're obviously aware of the millions of websites seemingly that cover college football and just sports talk content in general or just you know other kinds of things that you can do on the internet the fact that you've chosen to spend it with us is something we have hopefully never taken for granted and certainly truly appreciative of so with that in mind we'll close the show the way we always do with champions of life and today our champion of life well, it's us because <laughs> I thought it was appropriate to kind of look back and see some of the things that uh, have happened here along the way to uh, make this show uh, what it is. And, you know, one time 
really about a month or two ago, a couple months ago, we showed uh, some footage of our very first episode of SEC Country Live. But come to find out, that actually wasn't the very first episode of SEC Country Live. Come to find out, the actual real first SEC Country Live happened in November of 2016. And there is one thing that you're going to notice right off the top here about this show that makes it way, way different than any of the others. And I didn't quite notice, I, I didn't remember this, uh, but watch the very first introduction to the very first episode ever of SCC Country Live from November of 2016. Tonight, after another win in the Iron Bowl, Alabama's place at the top of the SCC is unquestioned. But LSU thinks it may have found the right guy to change that. Plus, after a dismal performance from Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee, we'll ask, does anybody want to go to the Sugar Bowl? All that and more coming up next on SEC Country Live. Atlanta, Georgia is the capital city of the SEC, and tonight <laughs> we are right in the middle of it all at the oh Hooters downtown God. on Peachtree Street. Just in the shadow of the Georgia Dome, where on Saturday, Florida and Alabama will do battle for the SEC championship. Hello, everyone. My name is Brandon Adams, and welcome to SEC Country Live. So, y'all, this is November of 2016. That video seems like it was 50 years ago. I must have been 30 pounds. <laughs> I had to have been. I've got, do I have really this much more gray hair? Oh, I got man. no gray hair. I'm, I'm 30 pounds lighter. And for whatever reason, on the very first episode of the show, you weren't on it. Yeah. <laughs> for the, now, you were on the next night, but the very first episode going of the on program. That day. I don't remember what it was, but I said, I can't join you on Monday, but I'll be there too. All right. So Hello, with everyone, that in mind, as Adams you see me, I mean, look how young I look. Yeah. That is not that long ago. Yeah, I that know. Was, that was the last time Alabama played Florida in the SEC championship after the 2016 season. I look 20 years younger. That's so depressing. All right, the next night, Mike Johnson made his SEC Country Live de debut, and he was just as smooth as ever. Here's Mike Johnson. We are live at the Hooters downtown Atlanta in the shadow of the Georgia Dome, where on Saturday, Alabama oh. will take on Florida in the SEC championship. We'll oh, do everything man. over the next hour to get you ready for that game and talk I mean, about everything happening in the Southeastern so Conference. This is SEC inch. Country Live. Uh, Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Adams. Along with former so Alabama All-American, former Atlanta Falcon, yeah. Mike Johnson. Mike, it's great to have you tonight on SEC Country. How you doing? Good to be hanging out here with you guys. Uh, spent a couple days Your next door at that dome myself. So. Yeah, so he knows very well the uh, rigors that are involved so in getting bad, the man. SEC championship. So first of all, in many ways, that's a very typical episode of SEC Country Live. I said a thousand words. You said four. I said a thousand <laughs> words. But for someone like you who, and I mean this in all sincerity, I've told a million people uh, when you weren't in the room at uh, this same point, you're one of the most natural communicators I've ever seen. You don't, um, you don't need a script. You just sort of roll with the punches. You just sort of do, you know, whatever's called from you. And, you know, it's amazing how quickly that for you developed because I mean obviously you did what great on their very first episode but it is really kind of funny right. to see you know just how natural and I mean what an amazing like transformation that. that is yeah no it's it, and that's that's what's so fun about the show man it's 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 really seriously it's been a great journey some of y'all uh, talking about some of the shadows in the uh, background there uh yeah it was very different and so kind of along some of the same lines on that the show when you go back and look at some of the archives here, and I went back to a lot of them today, it seems like we were on the air for like 100 years. 
We've had so many different studios. You see there the backdrop behind the Hooters in downtown Atlanta. Here's another clip of the next sort of iteration of the show. We moved here to our sort of official home in Atlanta. Here's another sort of studio iteration. We'll show you a little bit of this. You can uh, see this studio here. This was the first sort of in-studio look there. My hair's starting to grow out. You're starting to see a little gray there. Uh, already kind of putting on some extra pounds. Kind of the old school SEC country logo there. So that was like the next uh, studio we had. And we kind of had that one for a while. The first few months on the air. First of all, you're sitting lower than me. I don't think we, we must not have had matching chairs. Yeah. Like you're way I think you told me to lower mine. <laughs> you're way taller than me. But in this particular case, your head's lower than mine. Oh, man. I got the, the, the striped button up. Good Lord. So, yeah, since then, I don't think hardly any of us. Like after the first week, I don't think either one of us ever wore a button up again. I wore like the same five shirts every single day. I'm like Charlie Brown. I wore like the same five shirts every day on the show. So we had that studio look. Then after a few months, we sort of transitioned to sort of another studio look. Some might call it an upgrade. Here's the sort of the next iteration of the SEC Country Live studio. We had like five studios over the course of our time. That was our first incorporation of the helmets. Hey, look, we finally got our fancy logo going there. Uh, you've got your laptop out. Um, and so we would sort of keep that one for a while there. If you're counting, after only a few months on the air, we had three different SEC Country Live studios. Yeah, no, and that, that's what I'm talking about. That's a closet. Like, that's yeah, an that was, actual that closet. An actual closet. Yeah, that's a closet downstairs. That's crazy to look back at. So then we built our studio, and that's when the SEC Country Live studio changes again. And you may remember the other day, Jimbo Fisher talking about how he thought that um, uh, Kevin Sumlin's office Look like a damn nightclub. Well, here was sort of our <laughs> nightclub studio. Uh, take a look at this, this sort of, if I'm counting correctly here, the fourth SEC Country Live studio. Here was our nightclub studio. I mean, I mean that really kind of has that nice nightclub-y vi uh, vibe going on there. Um, I got the SEC Country shirt on. Uh, uh, you got the Alabama shirt on. This is this was our this was our next SEC Country Live studio. I, man, my uh, my hairlines just started running from my face at that point. I did, did you know I, I grew that yeah, hair. Yeah, look how much that. longer Mike's hair is now. Yeah. Is, First of all, I like the longer hair look better. Thanks, man. That was definitely a lineman kind of look. I, I was oof, meathead. And then we settled into the home that I'll sort of always think of as the uh, home for SEC Country Live. And uh, Shannon Burgess says that he was uh, with us from the second set on. For those of you that have been, we really appreciate that. Please do us a favor. Subscribe to our SEC Country Life uh, YouTube page. Uh, reach out to us on the SEC Country Live podcast. Uh, when we communicate new information, that's what we'll communicate. I'm also on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily. Uh, Mike, you're on Twitter as well. Very active. A lot of people communicate with you already there. Tell folks how they can also find you on Twitter. Yeah, too. I'm on Twitter, at MPJohnson79, and I love Twitter as a tool. I love talking yeah. back and forth to people. A lot of you guys have already commented uh, you know, on my Twitter page today, and I look forward to catching up with a lot of you guys. I, I mean this, said this a moment ago. I want to restate it now. It has been the pleasure of my life to do this show. There are a lot of fun things and exciting things coming for both of us. But I don't think anything in the future will do anything to change the way we feel about this moment, which is about to become the, uh, the recent past. A, uh, a, a lifetime's worth of memories put together in just over the course of a little over a year. Thanks for making SEC Country Live your home for SEC Talk. And Mike and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.